Welcome to The Withering Effect, episode 75, published December 30th, 2020. I'm Carl, or Carl Rides to the rest of the internet, and today is a very special episode of the podcast, where I'm going to take a look back at some of the best conversations from our episodes in 2020. We start back in April with episode 39, where Duds and Jimbo are joined by Groover Guy to talk about his favourite features from both Bedrock and Java. Um, okay, the, the best thing about Bedrock um, in terms of features... Well, I could go straight for an obvious one, um, which is the cross-player compatibility. Um, so you're basically talking about all of these different devices, hundreds of different devices, phones of every ilk and shade, mm-hmm. which can be used to play on the same server with the same people. Consoles, PCs, the whole thing. It just works across everything. So everyone can get together and play in one world and contribute to it and i think that's a great thing that's why it's called the better together update originally wasn't it so it became sort Mm -hmm. of bedrock because that was the engine that runs it but better together is exactly what it is i mean i play with people who play on all sorts of platforms and that's great um another great thing about bedrock is you can farm bedrock itself you can actually get the drops the block and use it in game which is ridiculous Mm -hmm. and i I love the ridiculous (laughs) You know, oh, it's like with so awesome. yeah, yeah, can you, you think of how you could grief people? <laughs> oh man. Well, I was just immediately thinking of the overworld Wither Rose farm, so you don't have to take advantage of a portal in the end. You can yeah. actually have it in your overworld and oh that'd just be build so it cool. a couple of meters from your base, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so that's a that's a cool feature. So bedrock people say it's very broken it is but in a cool way so you know you can get bedrock blocks itself and portal mm-hmm. tiles and water in the nether and um, lots of silly silly things which are just great fun um, my, one of my favorite features was how you can place a block in front of you you don't have oh, to yeah. crouch and place it on the side of a block you can easily just place the block in front of you to scaffold or whatever you'd like to do yeah, that's crazy. I still haven't got used to that. I still do. The, I've got my pinky on the shift key, and I'm going backwards really slowly. But I've seen people just run full tilt ahead, building mm. a bridge as they go. It's amazing. Brave. Yeah, very brave. Yep. Straight over the void. Yep. You can just yeah. run straight on, look down, and place a block right in front of you. You don't have to place it Didn't on the side of a block. You can do this. Block placement's quite cool as well, um, because like if you're playing in creative and you're flying along, you're trying to run a load of blocks together. Bedrock, you can just run them; they just they fall one after another. If you're doing the same thing in Java and you're going full full tilt, you'll end up having gaps in the bridge that you're building or whatever you're flying through to do. So I really like that. It's crazy. It's nice like that. That was the first thing I noticed because I was mainly a creative player when I was playing on PlayStation. And the way you fly is completely different because, like, on the PlayStation version, you would fly, and as soon as you let go the movement button, you stopped. That was Mm. it. On Java, when you move around, the second you let go of your movement button, like, you slide three to four blocks. (laughs) I was like, why does it do that? (laughs) (laughs) It makes no sense to me. You just do it all very quickly, but yeah, um, both of those. (laughs) But to go opposite of Jimbo... If you could take any Java feature and move it over to Bedrock, what would it be? Wow. Um, okay. As as a technical player, again, 
there's a lot of things which people have designed for Java, um, mm-hmm. which help you understand what's going on. There's lots of extra things. Okay, first one I would take is the F3 screen. That's my yes. number one pick. F3, yeah. fantastic. You can sort of pick up your FPS. You can work out what you're looking at. You can do lots and lots of things on the F3 screen. Just doesn't exist in Bedrock. Up until recently, coordinates were considered a cheat in Bedrock, so they're automatically yeah. switched off. Mm-hmm. So that got turned around ooh, probably a year or two ago now. Um, but even finding chunk boundaries in Java, you can find chunk boundaries really easily. You press F3 and something. I can't remember what Gee. now. It's been so long. There you go. Boundary B makes sense. Um, but in Bedrock, you have to do lots of manual working it out calculations, or you have to know a few tricks. Um, there's, it's, it's nice to have that F3 sort of feature. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. and durability on tools. I miss that so much. <sighs> They're the things I miss. <laughs> it's quite never, a bit, really, isn't it? Yeah, never thought about this kind of stuff. It's kind of like taking mm-hmm. it for granted because it's like, oh, well, I go through the F3 screen at least seven or eight times in an episode. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how do, how do you do, I don't know, how, find how the north, south, east, and west. You just go to F3 and you know which way you're facing. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking or about the light level. Yeah, yeah, light, light level. Light levels. Was that what, was what I was going to ask? How do you find it? Yeah. Um, you well, don't. you kind of don't, know. You have to do it the old-fashioned way, which is count the blocks. Or yeah. you can get a texture pack, which will show you um, these low-light levels, but then that kind of feels a bit cheaty. Yeah. So you just have to know how many blocks you are from your light source and to your next one, and just be very diligent. Yeah, I'm just thinking, without coordinates, my whole transportation hub would just get so much harder. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, most servers or most places have coordinates turned on by default now um, because they're mm-hmm. not considered a cheat, which is fine. Um, but yeah, without coordinates before, it was very difficult. It was very difficult. Would so. you need like a map pretty much to find your way around? Yeah, I mean, it depends the kind of player that you are. I'm I'm quite a technical player, so I used a few tricks to work out what my coordinates were. So there were some visual glitches which sort of made things point towards where zero zero was. And from zero zero, you could find where your chunk boundaries were and start calculating things out from there. Um, but yeah, really difficult stuff. I mean, you'd go walk and you'd lose your base and that's it. It's gone forever. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. A lot of math involved, sounds like. Yeah, but I, I like that kind of thing. In May, on episode 45, we had our first guest from Mojang, gameplay developer King B-Dogs. Here, he discusses which aspects of the game have been the hardest to develop for, and his vision for beds and nighttime in Minecraft. Um, I think anything related to the, uh, the quote-unquote like tech community um mm-hmm. you know a lot of like mob farms and and things surrounding that, that that you know that's a part of the community that i wasn't very exposed to in the past because um you know even in my mods that i made that were very like adventure focused and like uh combat focused and exploration mm-hmm. and all these sort of things and it's like i never even really you know used redstone like that's not that's not my play style um and outside of redstone i definitely never built a mob farm that's just not something i did um and it's not a part of the community that I was exposed to either. So I didn't understand them. And in the past uh, couple of months, you know, as I've been 
in this role, I've been trying my best to research and understand both the community and, um, you know, what, what this side of the community really wants. And I found um, through my research that what they want is uh, they want a challenge um, in terms, like, they, they basically want a set of, like, game rules or, I guess, laws of the game that they want mm. to use their advantage to create, like, some sort of positive effect for them, some sort of positive outcome. But they want to make sure that that is a challenge. Like, yeah. um, there are mob farms that are too easy, I found. Um, there are some that, that people feel are overpowered. And it's not that, like, they don't want those mob farms to go. Definitely not. They just want them to be more challenged. Like, the, the, the reward should meet the input. Um, so mm -hmm. the challenge of building that farm should be greater um, in order to match that output of like how much items you get or how much reward you get from it. Yeah, it's crazy to think because people, were, you would assume, hey, easier farm, the better for me. But now you have this community pushing back saying, no, we want the complete opposite. We want to put in the work mm -hmm. uh, to make this crazy farm. Yeah, and I think that's, um, of course, uh, there's a little bit of controversy around the Wither Rose change of like being able to spawn on uh, Wither Roses, like the mobs. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in general, most people have, you know, just said like, hey, this is the right change because it made farms too simple. Like you basically yeah. had the same solution for every single farm. Yeah. And that wasn't fun for them. That's not a challenge. It's not, um, it doesn't really like, uh, you know, it doesn't make your brain tick in any, in any way. And I think that's what uh, this community, that part of the community wants they want fun puzzles to solve uh, and mm -hmm. if you just give them the answers that's not fun at all yeah mm -hmm. that's been really interesting it's it's been really tough because again it's just not my play style and it's not something that i'm mm -hmm. necessarily mm -hmm. interested in like on a personal level as a player but i think that has been both challenging and really rewarding to understand them and figure out what they want well the fact that you and moyang in general listen to the community so much is again precedent on why so many people love this game you kind of understand your voice is going to be heard uh it's just a matter of time before it gets figured out how to work it in there mm -hmm. yeah and i think um in general like that there is sometimes i guess the the idea floating around that mojang doesn't listen to players but uh you would be amazed how much we do listen um like mm -hmm. i i will like every single snapshot i go onto youtube and I look into newest of like that snapshot, like Minecraft Nether update or whatever. And mm -hmm. I will watch like so much. <laughs> I will watch people mm -hmm. who only have like three subscribers, and I will just listen to every single person. Um, sometimes it's too much. Like sometimes I should just like relax and not uh, not get too crazy into it, right? But um, there is a balance, and I think just the fact that I'm willing to listen to everyone, you know, not not just the big content creators, just everyone that I can, because I really want to understand what what players like and dislike about the snapshot or um you know what the general sentiment is this is really useful information for me to, to make the game better that's awesome yeah uh jimbo you got another question uh yeah i got a question from the noobs are there any mechanics currently in the game that you would like to change or remove that's interesting uh phantoms would be the <laughs> top one. um i think mm -hmm. i'm not a big fan of how beds work um, the biggest problem that I like, I, I like beds as a concept. I think the problem mm -hmm. that I have with it is that, you know, you always skip night now and it's been like that for years, of course. And it's, it's oh, yeah. kind of part of the game okay. and I think it'd be really risky to change it. But what I don't like, especially with phantoms now that they were introduced is that it's, it's like now that phantoms are in, you're even more encouraged to never experience the night. Like you always should sleep. There's just no downside 
or sorry, there's no upside to venturing out and like braving the night. You get no reward from it. You're better point. off just sleeping. And I really, really dislike, like, heavily dislike that. I think it's um, yeah. it doesn't make sense. The game should encourage players to step out of their comfort zone and reward them from stepping out of their comfort zone. But none of that happens yeah. with beds, and none of that definitely happens with phantoms. So there's something deeply wrong there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if we will ever solve it. I mean, I'm sure we'll definitely eventually address phantoms in some way. I think that will happen. The question is when. You know, it it could take a long time. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just think something's wrong there. And like, I love exploration, and I think that um, I think the fact that there are certain parts of the game that like kind of inhibit you from really uh, engrossing yourself in the exploration is a bit concerning to me. Like even the fact that with beds, um, you're constrained to one location. And if you mm-hmm. sleep, like let's say you venture out and then you sleep, you lose, you know, track of your base. So of course, I guess you could argue now with um, lodestones that's solved a little bit because you can have a lodestone at your base and then you can sleep somewhere else and then return to your base. But I still think it's not enough because the pl- like if you're traveling let's say 10,000 blocks away from your base is it really reasonable for us to ask a player to have a base like that far away venture out and then come back you know like actually walk all the way mm-hmm. back there even with horses it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me um i do think that it should be challenging to travel it should be challenging to explore but i think the reward should be extremely great um, yeah, and I think there's a, there's a lot of little mechanics everywhere that that could be tweaked to make that more interesting. You hit on two things perfectly for my single player world. Early on, what I would do is I'd stay up at night and I'd hunt mobs just for the XP so I could get enchant and go in. But the second I knew a phantom was getting ready to spawn, I slept through the night and I went, "Oh man, that's a wasted night yeah. to get XP." So I agree, and I've always thought phantoms would be cool as kind of like a replacement for bats if. Everyone keeps saying cave update, cave update. <laughs> well, if like if there was a cave update, imagine like phantoms being like having their own temple or whatever in there, and you'd have to fight phantoms off in there. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was good and cool. And number two is the long travel. Well, in this world, I've tried to stay out of the Nether as possible because I know the Nether update's coming, and I want it to be fresh for that. Mm-hmm. So my rule is I have to travel to a destination on land and then travel back without dying. And if I could get to my location and back without dying, I set up a command block that would allow me to teleport to that location and back. Yeah. And there were a couple times I was going over 5,000 blocks and I was like, I don't have an elytra yet. This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I missed nether travel. And that's a problem. Like, you have to essentially cheat your way just to have a fun experience. And I don't think that's yeah. right. I think that's a failure on, on our part. Um, like, I, I don't think it's, like, such a severe problem that the game is not fun. Um, I just think right. that it is something that I would urge for us to look into at one point, um, because I think there is something that we can improve there. Um, and with the Phantoms, I love the way they look. I think they're a really yes. cool-looking mob. I think they mm-hmm. deserve to have something that is really fun around them, or mm-hmm. at least give you this like amazing reward for like challenging yourself against them. Um, it's yeah. just not there yet. And hopefully, eventually, we can look into it. Um, again, definitely no promises. We don't know when we would look into it, but uh, I would love to eventually, you know, give it some thought for sure. For episode 52 in July, we had a special Minecraft podcast crossover episode with Q Magnet and Syflid from the Void Frogs. 
where we played our own version of Quickfire. With a void quickfire frogs. Whatever that sound goes. That's exactly pew. the sound it would make. If a wither were to shoot a void frog, pew. I'm pretty sure it would go. Pew, 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 pew. The rules are a little familiar. We have four questions and one cool fact. And we'll try to give you hints. I've got a clock in my head. You guys have to answer as quick as possible. No multiple choice. Yeah. And you, you'll you still have the highest score because it's the first time we've ever done Is this. Is there a score like between us? Like, Are we competing against each other? Yeah, let's do that. Sure. We'll right. both have cool. an answer. Oh, really? I got this. One on it's, one. On. Yeah. it's on, buddy. I got this. Quick fire. Yep. Let's go. All right. First question. 1982. What do you call it? <laughs> no. Minus one point. Oh, what come do you on. call a group of frogs? A group of frogs? Uh-huh. A lot of frogs. A huddle. Negative. Uh-uh. That's a lot of frogs. Look at that little family of frogs. It, it's definitely called an army. Army no, of no, frogs. You, said, you told me, what do I call it? You didn't say, what is the term? You said, Oh, no, no, no. You, you can't it? use your genie magic <laughs> questions on me. <laughs> Be careful. This is the pew. This is the pew, pew, pew round. Pew. Jimbo, this is your question. I'm going to let you ask it. Yeah, I come up with this one. Uh, what is Stifler's mom's name in the movie American Pie? Stifler's mom? She has a name? Her her actual name. She has a name. They've said it. Do you guys know? <sighs> Janine. You're familiar with the movie, right? I, yeah. yeah I, okay. I, come on. I've heard that my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> Patty. I, Cheeseburger. I, I, Army. Army. Uh, guys are in bad shape right now. Tracy. You said it's a quick fire. Cindy. Hannah. It's been said already, but. Patty. What? Who said Tracy. it? Tracy. I said it? I was going to say something like Patty, but maybe Tracy. Jimbo. One one person said it on the actual show. It was Paul Finch is the name on the movie. Her name you is Paul remember. Finch. That's a terrible name for Stifler's mom. The person <laughs> that said it, his name was Paul Finch. You can't huh. see him saying it in your head. I, I watched that movie like so long ago, and I didn't even like it. Uh, okay. Yeah. I can't remember my mom's name. Sorry. But Jennifer. You guys, you guys don't get any points. Her name was Janine. Janine! I said, oh, I did, I did I not... Okay, play back that audio. I swear I said that. First no, answer. I heard it. Did he say I it? I heard it. I think I he said, said it. it. I don't I know why I was waiting on Jimbo it. to say something, but... I swear I said I didn't hear it. You play I'm it giving back. him the point. That's point. a point. Yeah, That's right. said it. I also said I, army. Right. Just, just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Someone, someone's playing with playing with my questions. It's all right. <laughs> I'm just looking and all of a sudden one question disappears. <laughs> All right, submagnets are naturally found on the Earth. What are they called? Submagnets? Some magnets. Oh, some magnets. Yeah. Metal? Uh, Sorry, my nose is stopped up. Naturally. Natural magnets? I'll give you a hint. The North they Pole. They are now in Minecraft 116. Nether? The right? North Pole. The Ancient North debris? Pole. Nope. Piglins. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. I got this. I got this, I swear. <laughs> basalt. Nope. Um... 1.16. On uh, 
It came out in 116, and it's actually something to help you find a location. Blackstone. Lodestone. Nope. Stifler's mom. Lodestone. Three minutes later. Pew, pew, pew. Lodestone. Stifler gets a point. That's right. See, I threw that one in there just to make you guys say you need to cover the news a little more. Well, you know, you say whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) The next one is just going to be bashing podcasts about why there shouldn't be news segments. (laughs) So, final question before you get a cool fact. There are four planets in the solar system with magnetic fields. Sorry, hate break it to you. With magnetic fields. Oh, okay. Two of them are (laughs) Earth and Saturn. What are the other two? Mercury. Nope. Jupiter. In space. Jupiter, Mars, Uranus, uh, Venus. Oh, I just go. <laughs> you got you gotta pick you gotta pick two. Jesus. Jupiter and Here, I'll give you a hint. Just choose the most childish named planet. Uranus. Earth. Uranus is one of them. And Neptune. Neptune is the other one. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. I think I said those ones too, by the way. I definitely said I'm sure you I did. definitely said we'll, we'll have to listen back. So I, yeah. I was just watching a video the other day, though. Listen, from this a is guy. your podcast. Next question. No, I was watching a video the other day, <laughs> and this guy said all of the planets had a magnetic field. Maybe he was wrong. No. The internet does not lie. I have I was yet just saying to that see. to duds. No. I'm pretty sure First they of all, all have magnetic fields. There are field. no, like, not even Earth has a field of magnets. Like and what would they? How are they going to farm those? It would just stick to the tractor. Yeah, I was going to say you don't know what's going on in Arizona. <laughs> well, right. yeah, that's true. That's right. Hmm. <laughs> All right, and now this one's just an interesting fact I found. Frogs don't actually drink water; they just absorb it through their skin. Oh, everybody, everybody knows that. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> Should ask me that question. <laughs> Very interesting fact. But yeah, so that's been a <laughs> wither. Quick fire, frog fire. They also they also don't drink beer because they're not of age. You guys see why we don't uh, we can't have like an actual rapid fire segment? Because it, it yeah, yeah, it does not go the way you plan. <laughs> Staying in July with episode fifty four. We're joined by our very first guest from Hermitcraft, Wells Knight. In this clip, he shares how the Hell's Knight rap battle came to be. I come from a musical background. Um, I was in, I've been in choir in some form or another since like first grade, since I was like a little kid. My mom is a choir director. Um, so she was like, yeah, you will be in choir and you will like it. Yeah. And I liked it. So I, you know, I was in every choir you can possibly think of everything from like vocal jazz to show choir to concert choir to like, you name it. I was in all the choirs, right? Barbershop quartets, all sorts Mm -hmm. of stuff. I was also a percussionist. I played drums, drum set. I was a drum line section leader in high school. So like rhythm and music has been a huge part of my life for pretty much the entirety of my life mm-hmm. now as for rap not so much <laughs> you know yeah. that, that was a little bit of a mm-hmm. it's definitely something that's outside of my comfort zone let's put it that way mm-hmm. um and like me 
I'm a guy from a very small town in the Midwest, and I am pretty much the last person that you would look at and be like, that guy can rap. You know, (laughs) that's it's so outside of my country, my comfort zone. But, you know, it was fun. It was was a good time. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I want to do this season on Hermitcraft is kind of push those boundaries of of what I'm comfortable doing. You know, Mm -hmm. that's where the experimenting comes in. Exactly. You know, and that's the thing. You, You never stop experimenting as a YouTuber. You're always constantly trying to try new things and and explore new styles of content, new different things. So even now, years after I started, years after I went full time, I'm still doing I'm still trying to do things that are new, you know, trying mm-hmm. to push those boundaries of like, what am I comfortable with? What 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 can you expect from from Wells Knight when you watch a Wells Knight video? And the answer is who knows? Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> you know, rapping obviously wasn't rap one of battles them. against yourself, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I gotta ask you, where did that idea come? Because it doesn't seem like it would just be a natural idea to pop in your head, like, oh, this episode I'm gonna rap battle myself. Well, I mean, the rap battle part of it, I don't know. It just kind of <laughs> popped into my head. Um, yeah. But the 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 evil twin trope, mm-hmm. right? has been around in literature and media forever. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Jekyll and Hyde, (laughs) evil twin trope. You know? Mm -hmm. Star Trek, the mirror universe, evil twin trope. You know, and on and on and on. You know, evil Exuma, evil twin trope. You know, it's it's a trope, a storytelling trope that has existed in storytelling for ages, right? Mm -hmm. For longer than any of us have been alive. Like, going back centuries. Right. So like the idea of an evil clone of yourself, an evil version of yourself is not exactly groundbreaking. Right. It's nothing new. Right. It's been done many, many times. Um, but I took some ideas from uh, Star Trek from the, the original series. There's an episode. I, I can't remember what it's called, but there's an episode of the original series where Kirk gets uh, split into his good half and his evil half in a freak transporter accident mm-hmm. um so i took some ideas from that with the idea of like someone who personifies all the evil parts of you um you know i took some ideas from evil exuma i took some ideas from all over the place you know just different ideas as for the whole rap battle thing of it i like i don't know where that came from but it was just something like i think i just started writing <laughs> And it just mm-hmm. kind of became like it. Mm-hmm. Some did you ever get that where you get like this really just out there idea that just pops into your head and it won't go away? Yes. And you, and you're just like I'm yeah. doing it. <laughs> you just that's kind of how it went. <laughs> like that whole rap was written in written and perf- written and recorded in a single day. Nice. Wow. It's impressive. Because it was just like I just and it wasn't like it was like a 16 hour day, but it was a single day. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, I did more editing of it and stuff like that later, but like that whole thing would just kind of, the inspiration was just there. And it just, once I started writing and putting words, you know, putting pen to paper, coming up with rhymes, um, you know, it just, it it just kind of flew or flowed, flowed, flowed. Mm, Yeah. It was a good flow. And it was a lot of fun, you know, and it was the last thing that so many people expected. Which was great. Oh, you know, yeah. the reaction to it was like, Which what? Is awesome. Bulls can rap? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you don't even know. I got bars. 
It's definitely made, like, it's one of the most memorable Hermitcraft moments. Not just in Season 7, but it'll be remembered as oh yeah one of those that whenever they're like, oh, Hermitcraft, people will think of Hermit Gang and obviously Hell's Night versus Will's Night. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was going for, you know, because it's one thing to introduce the evil character, mm-hmm. you know, which in and of itself, I think, would be relatively memorable. Yeah. Um, But then just I'm going to rap battle myself. <laughs> it's so out there for me <laughs> that yeah. like, how can you that's so it's so memorable because it's just so out of the ordinary from what people expect from me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Adding story and lore to builds has become a big part of Minecraft. On episode 62 in September, we were joined by Brownie Bits to discuss the five questions he asked himself when adding story to his builds. So these starting points that I always ask myself are, who are they? Where are they? What do they eat? What do they build with? And what level of tech are they? I really like these five starting points because it kind of gives you everything you need to know to build off of that. Mm -hmm. So for instance, what are they? What are their names, likes, activities, uh, belief systems, skills, needs, kind of just basics about the people themselves. And then for instance, my uh, city of Gaelstrom, which is my fantasy modern city based off of the end cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, my who are they is uh, it was an alien race that as they were exploring the cosmos, they found this peaceful area and um, they have a few sports and music venues that they brought with them. But the major part of their society is actually science. So they're very science and studying type of uh, society. Yeah. The where are they? Uh, that can include biomes. So what what biomes do they like to live in? What biomes do they hate to go to? What are their surroundings like? I really like using the the surrounding biomes in Minecraft, mm-hmm. but creating your own biomes can actually extend that lore a little bit better too. Yeah. Oh yeah. For Gaelstrom, they live in a plains biome at the foot of a large mountain range. Um, they are actually from a distant planet, which I haven't really come up with anything about that per se. Um, but the terrain is very, very different to that from Earth. Um, and I'm kind of using the end uh, generation as kind of an idea for how their terrain generates, only it's not a void. It's an actual planet. The what do they eat? So this would be what crops do they farm? What animals do they raise or hunt? Are they hunters and gatherers? Or are they farmers or something, you know, along those lines? Uh, the people of Gaelstrom. They actually eat primarily chorus fruit because that comes from forest trees that uh, are native to their planet and they brought with them. And since it's such a major part of their society, they wanted to bring that that plant with them. What do they build with? Uh, That would be what blocks are around them, what trees, stone materials. That kind of gets into the biomes, but this would be more of how they use that stuff. So what do they build with in Gaelstrom? End stone is a major portion of it. They use bricks out of it and that type of stuff. The purper, which is made from the chorus tree, which ties back into the importance of that tree to their society. And then I also put up that they use concrete 
woods and metals from the new world. So these are things that they've discovered uh, in their travels in this, this new world. So they're kind of using what they've found rather than just bringing all of the materials. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of gives that connection to the rest of the world. And then finally, what level of tech? So this can be anything from how do they defend themselves, armor types, are are they more technologically advanced with like firearms or are they are their weapons more swords and arrows? What are their building techniques? So like what tools do they use with them? Do they use heavy machinery or are they mainly like old levees and, and pulleys and that type of stuff? Yeah. And then another major thing that I really like to discuss is what type of transportation? Do they use horses? Do they have carriages? Do they, are they more modern and have like vehicles? Do they fly? That type of stuff. So the level of tech that I put uh, for Gaelstrom is it's a fantasy modern city. So they use, they have special cranes and heavy machinery that they brought with them from their planet. They did find some basic tools that worked really well with some of the basic materials that they found around. So they do use that. Um, So they would use some axes that they wouldn't need on their home planet. Yeah. And then to create the concrete, obviously, they've they have some other uh, tools that would create that as well. That's that's kind of how I go about um, doing it with a, a, a pretty decent example, I, I feel, for for each one. Definitely. And one of the things I went with when you came to the biomes they live in and the materials they build with, if you want to look for a super simple version of of what Brownie Bits is saying, look at Minecraft Villages. Because mm-hmm. Mojang does a pretty good job of, hey, this is a biome. These are the materials in this biome. Yeah. The villagers are obviously going to use those materials. Yep. So, when, you, like you said, when you create your own biome, now you've really expanded materials and stuff. Your uh, lore uh, people can use, I don't know a better word for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like Minecraft gives a little bit of lore to each building, too, because they give you... A, like the fisherman's hut, you know, they got the barrels on the outside and like a little pond and, you know, they're, they're kind of getting into that a little bit more. You see it more and more in each update, even in the uh, nether, uh-huh. you know, you got the, the bastions and how mm-hmm. they live and, you know, that crazy, unique uh, building. And it's, it's cool. And, and then they bring in the lore with the gold, you know? Yep. Uh, how they really like the gold, and you got the gold ore in the nether now. It's real interesting how they're doing that. Absolutely. And I think Mojang does a fantastic job of presenting these five questions in a built state. Mm -hmm. So you have all these answers right there, right in front of you when you come across that village, when you come across that pillager outpost or any vanilla structure really in the game, you have all of these answers already answered for you. You just have to find them. I I really like the fact that they do that um, with, with that because it kind of helps you to create your own lore and backstory for these people by giving you a great base to build off of. Yeah, that's exactly what I was getting ready to say. It's like Mojang gives you a little dip of the toe in the water. It's like, here's a good starting point. Now we want you to expand. Like, use your imagination to make what we gave you way better. Absolutely. And that's like, when people were asking for super detailed villages, it's like, 
but that's not what Mojang wants. They they want to give you something nice to start with, but they want to see you go crazy with it. How would you make that village super detailed? Exactly. How do you see what these villagers do on a day-to-day basis? Mm-hmm. Are they are all farmers? Or are these librarians really getting to town teaching these villagers how to build some houses? Absolutely. Like what, when we were going through your world and I'm seeing all these different builds and uh, I come across, you know, it's like a little house in the woods. And uh, you went on with like a 20 minute story about this little house. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe you thought of all this. It's so cool. And it just made that little house and all the details even better. You know, they're like, it's like, oh, yeah, and he's got a fire here because, you know, it gets cold. It's like, wow, dude, I would have. I would have never thought of this kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, you actually had me on, and uh, we did a uh, a little cave. Yeah. Because uh, I mentioned a troll, I think it was, or like a monster, a troll kind of beast yeah, we were going to yeah. build. And uh, I, I I was so excited after listening you know, to your lore stories and all these builds. I was like, I want to be a part of this. You know, I want one. <laughs> I want to do this. So I was like, let's let's do a troll, right? And then and then you went on, you were like, yeah, and we can have a little room over here where a little, you know, like a, what is it, uh, a shun troll can be in here where he wants to be like the humans, you know, and he has, he has pictures up and he wants to be, you know, he wants to mingle with the humans, but this troll is, you know, th- they won't let him or he's kind of in the back of the cave. And I was like, man, that's such a cool idea. I would have never thought of this kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I love stories um and i love history and i kind of get that from my dad but i love all of the little details that you don't see so like when you're reading harry potter you know you don't think of gringotts well what are the little stories for each one of the the workers at gringotts yeah they they work at gringotts but what else you know this guy's gotta be a huge quidditch fan you know, and he goes home and and reads about the his favorite Quidditch team and how they won or 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 this or that. And I like hearing these little those little stories outside. So um, I really wanted to develop a world that yes, it has its main story, its main characters, but what about the little guys? What a, what's going to fill out this world and make it feel even more real? than just that that hero going through and and conquering the epic battle. Mm-hmm. What about that that little maybe not so important priest of the the temple that did something cool and yeah, he got his name recognized but the rest of the world doesn't recognize him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that stuff. <laughs> In October, on episode 68, we're joined by our second Mojang gameplay developer, Urof, who explains more about archaeology and rare items in Minecraft. First of all, things are very likely to change still, right? It's still work in progress. Uh, Even the things... Usually when we show something we want that at least what was shown will be, and then maybe other things can change. But even things that were shown sometimes can still change because what, what's most important in, in Mojang is the fun of the game, right? Mm-hmm. And 
Second thing, most important, is our players and, and our promises for them. That is very important for us. But still, the thing that has to win is, is it going to be fun for you in the game? So if we have to be like, well, we're cutting this feature that we promised because we don't think it's actually going to be fun, it's going to be tough. We're going to think a lot about it, but we might do it. So just wanted to say that. That's not really related. But yeah, for this question, so far, again, and unless it changes in the future, my plan is that the brush is going to work on a, a specific type of block, like a few types of block. Uh -huh. And it's going to work on those blocks everywhere, not just in a dig site. Cool. But. But. Uh, what, uh -oh. When people ask this question, what they're actually asking is, do all uh, gravel, dirt, or whatever other blocks, do all of them have the artifacts? That's a different question. Mm -hmm. right? The tool is a tool, and it's going to work. But no, only the sites are going to have the special archaeology uh, segments. Like if you have, there's going to be a few things you can find. But for example, if you find a, a shard, a pottery shard, it's going to be only where it makes sense that it will be, not in a random uh, dirt block. Got it. But there could be a case where other things like random, I don't know, I don't want to say something because people like, yeah, the, the emerald and diamond were a placeholder. Uh, they're not necessarily going to be, maybe they will be, maybe they won't, but they were a placeholder. But for example, not, not committing to any specific loot, but maybe uh, you can find a bone sometimes, even if you brush a random dirt, right? Or maybe this could be a new way of getting clay. Some people uh, don't like the fact that clay is not renewable. Uh -huh. Maybe it could be a really rare brushing thing. I, I don't know. Things like that yeah. could be interesting. They would have to be think a lot about how do you balance them. Mm. But yeah, it, the brush is not going to be only in those six sites, but the archaeology uh, artifacts, the special things that are tied to the lore, those, I want them to be very rare, and I want them to be only when they make sense. I want you, you know how you go to a, a, a server, and there are like 20, 200, 500 people there, and pretty much 90% of them are walking around with full netherite gear? Mm-hmm. I don't like that. <laughs> I think that if something is rare, it should feel rare. Yeah. Right. It should feel like uh, mm -hmm. each one of the server has a bit of a different armor, right, or a mm -hmm. different thing. So I want this to be actually rare. I want. I don't want that someone cannot get anything, right? But I wanted if you go to your friend's house, he has different shards maybe than you, right? And you're like, oh my god, I have these shards. You have these shards. What sort of stories can we tell? Stuff like that. I really want that feeling. Yeah, I agree with that. And don't get me started on custom armor. I think I soapboxed that last episode. <laughs> um, I have a question, though. When it comes to the vase or vase or whatever, are you going to be able to like craft the plain version? I know you need shards or whatever to decorate it and make it look good. But like, say I just wanted a mm. plain one, kind of like a flower pot to use as a decoration. Will that be a craftable thing or do you have to go out and find it still? Uh, it, it hasn't been announced yet. I can say that I don't see any reason why not currently. I think okay. it be, can be cool to have just a pot in your house. We'll put that as up for consideration. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. A mayhaps. <laughs> a mayhaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a positive mayhap. I do uh, have an idea just for like... Oh, no. The speculation of, you know, the diamond and emerald blocks Jimbo's thinking that you grab from. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what if, like, you go to brush, brush the uh, dirt or gravel... You get a diamond or emerald block, but it's like the old school texture. Mm. And you can't really use it as a diamond because it's been buried. I think that'd be pretty neat. 
Yeah, a, a lot of a lot of the comments on Twitter are wanting references to old Minecraft sort of thing. I even saw someone mm -hmm. let's do a reference to the Aether mod, right, or to mm -hmm. the uh, Hero Brian uh, pedestal thing with the gold and the dirt and the fire. Mm -hmm. I, I think those are really cool, right? I, I I am part of that that I want the nostalgic feeling of it. I just I I don't know if I don't know if it fits like that. There is a reason was those why those textures are not in the game anymore, right? Yeah. Art decided that they don't fit the game, and bringing them back this way, I think, I think might not work with the art team, right? Okay. I don't know. It is a very cool idea, right? Having having on on the contrary to that, having a painting like in the one of the shards that has that in it could be interesting, right? It it could be interesting mm -hmm. as a reference, but if I give you those blocks back. Are, are we allowing people to rebuild the programmer art in normal art? Right? It's kind of, it's a weird conflict there, right? Yeah, okay. And, and people with the, with the programmer art, do they see both as the same? <laughs> yeah. Right, they don't know if it's mm -hmm. ancient or not. It's, it's, it's a lot of interesting questions. I really love the idea, but I'm not sure how to do it specifically. I'm, I'll, I will consider it. It's really cool. Our final best of moment is from episode 70 in November, where even Jimbo gets grumpy about the upcoming bundles in the Caves and Cliffs update. I, I, was, I was all like, oh, Duds isn't giving it a chance. I'm totally on board with you now. Mm -hmm. The whole fact that you cannot put unstackable items in there together. Welcome to the dark side, grumpy Jimbo. Yeah, that's kind of a deal breaker for me. I didn't like that idea. Yeah. Hopefully they make some more changes. To me, the one redeeming quality I thought it was going to have is the unstackable item thing. Because imagine how cool it would be to be able to put 64 soups in a bundle. It's a little bit ridiculous when you think about it. But just go with me, because now that makes soups a ready, reliable food source. Because you could just put a ton of bundles in a sugar box. Mm-hmm with a ton of soups in them, and now you have a really cool food source that's different. I'm all about the different food sources this year. Like, I'm so sick and tired of golden carrots every time, every season. Basically, by the time you get into week three or four, golden carrots are the, the only food source from then on. Now it kind of seems like cooked pork chops are the thing, but I don't know. Yeah, and then there's, there's the thing where you got to right-click to empty the bundle. Oh, yeah. And if you have so many different blocks in there, like if you don't have 64 dirt in a bundle, which why would you? Mm -hmm. If you have like 20 different blocks and you go to empty this thing, you're throwing them out onto the ground. So you have to do inventory management to empty this thing. And that's one thing it's supposed to prevent was, you know, to help your inventory. It's literally the equivalent of grabbing your book bag by the base and flipping it upside down and just dumping it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's any way to take one out. There, as far as I can tell, there is not. You gotta take them all out, yeah. So, let's move on from bundles, because they make everybody grumpy, including Jimbo. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in a bad mood now. <laughs> not easy. It's not easy Sunday morning anymore. That's gonna do us for today. There are so many more conversations I could have included and a few of those will be in our Patreon-exclusive post-show, Drinking Our Milk. Speaking of our patrons, 
I want to say a huge thank you to all of them for supporting the show. Our milk level patrons are Orbney, Chief Big Bear, Croc, Federal Rock, Stonefigure, the official CCL, Vipers Tuna, and YDYT. If you too would like to get access to the exclusive benefits and hours of extra content each month, consider joining at patreon.com slash the withering effect. If you like this show, you can share it with your friends and on social media. If you listen on Spotify, follow us. Or if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a nice review. Doing any of these helps the show reach more listeners. If you'd like to get in contact with us, send an email to podcast at thewitheringeffect.com. Tweet us, leave a voice message, or join our Discord, where you too can have a chat with everyone who works on the show and your fellow listeners. All the links are in the show notes. This show has been brought to you by myself, but also everyone we heard today on the best of, including Duds, Jimbo, Groover Guy, King B Dogs, Q Magnet, Stiflard, Wells Knight, Brownie Bits, and Uroff. The amazing music you hear in the intro, outro, and interludes was created by the one and only Decoy. Everyone's social media info can be found down in the show notes. You guys have been awesome. Thanks for getting withered with me on this special episode. Duds and Jimbo will be back next week, and I'd like to wish everyone a happy new year. You should probably go and drink your milk now. Bye.